0: I have no idea what "influence Men's
1: Hearts with Love even means,
2: (laughs) what does that mean?
1: What's up Story Geeks? It's Daryl. We are geeks. We admit it. We own it. We love science fiction, fantasy, and comic books. Which is why we dig deeper into characters, plot lines, and themes that appear in geek stories like Wonder Woman.
0: That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be a good one. I'm Jay and Daryl and I would love for you to join our conversation. Leave us a comment on our blog, Podbean, or YouTube, or send us an email at thestorygeeks at gmail.com. That's thestorygeeks at gmail.com. And really quick, before you forget, click that subscribe button. Then let us know you're listening by commenting or shooting us an email. We'd love to meet you electronically. Thank you for listening in. The Story Geeks podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society.
1: That's right. And as I mentioned today, we're going to dig deeper into Wonder Woman, which is kind of special to us because this was the number one movie in our recent Story Geek Awards. Yes, yeah, that's six, right. Six of the ten categories went to Wonder Woman. Yeah, it just cleaned uh, up. And it should have. It deserved all of that. It does. Yeah. It does. But before we dive into that, um, we need to introduce our guests for today. We cannot rightfully talk about wonder woman as two dudes
0: (laughs) it's just not
1: it's not sufficient it's one perspective that's not fully developed yeah we need the better perspective so we have two of our very favorite people in the entire world as our guests today so we're each going to introduce one of them i'm going to introduce my wife jamie smith Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for being
3: representing here. the female sex. Apparently, <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and then uh, my wife is here as well, which that's is awesome. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a family show today. Um, so, Jessica Shear, welcome oh. to the Story Geeks podcast.
4: Hi. <laughs> good to be here
1: thanks for doing this guys
4: yeah you're welcome
0: by the way yeah. jessica uh, also appears on occasion on our university's radio station because she's she's in the department where they do the radio stuff oh.
1: so.
0: yeah
4: I, I would say that that's not my specialty so i help <laughs> students with writing just so you all know yeah not, not, not
1: only speaking. students she helps me with writing too <laughs> yeah and jamie is actually a returning guest We did. We did the Oblivion podcast together.
3: That's right.
1: Quite some time ago. That's right. Yes. Yep. A podcast that has not been
0: listened to enough. So if you haven't heard it, you should go listen to the Oblivion podcast because it was awesome.
1: Sweet. Thanks. Yeah. All right. So we are going to talk about Wonder Woman, and we're going to dig deep into it, like we love to do. So we've got some nice, deep questions to dive into here. Um, So I'm just going to go ahead and start us off. So. The Amazons, as we hear in the movie, are meant to influence um, men's hearts with love. So, but then we see they sort of, they become warriors themselves. So I'm interested in that transition on how at first there are these representations of love and then somewhere down the line, it seems like they become much more like the men that they were meant to influence by becoming warriors. So... I want to see what you guys think about that. If you think something went wrong there, or if that's a, the natural path that it should have taken, and um, Jessica, I think we will start with you on this one.
4: All right. Um, so I'm going to be annoying by answering the question with a question.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, so I guess what I thought of when I when I read this question and, and kind of thought through it. Um, I would say, is it possible that being a warrior is actually a way to show love? Mm. So the, the idea that, that those two are mutually exclusive, I think um, I'm not – I'm asking that as a question because I, sh- I seriously don't know the answer. But uh, I'm thinking of protecting the innocent, you know, fighting injustice, fighting against evil, things like that. Um, so I think fighting for those who, who cannot fight for themselves can be uh, heroic and perhaps loving maybe. Um, so if that's the case, if you would say, yes, it is possible to be a warrior uh, or to show love through fighting in a sense, um, then I would say the Amazons can and did influence mankind, um, as warriors, but also with love. So I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Um, but that's, that was kind of what what I thought of as I was thinking through that so it might be that they are a different kind of warrior perhaps um,
2: yeah.
4: maybe a, a righteous type of warrior mm-hmm. um, and in that sense they are different from the way that the the mankind is portrayed in the in the film
1: I like that a lot mm-hmm. this is the weird part where I have to start calling you by your name so I'm <laughs> resisting the urge to say honey but Jamie <laughs> what do you think? <laughs>
3: I think perhaps they didn't influence men the way they expected to or Mm. thought they should. And I don't think that that has anything to do with the fault of the Amazons, but just that there is something wrong in the world. Mm. And because I, I say that because when you look at Wonder Woman's kind of arc or journey in the film... It seems like she has a great deal of naivete <laughs> to overcome. She has a very um, linear worldview, and you know, if we just eradicate Aries, then all will go back to the way it was. <laughs> right. And um, she she has this perception that there is an external evil that just needs to be eradicated, and doesn't consider that there is an internal evil that exists in everyone and so I think Mm. Jessica your point about um being a warrior as an act of love seems Mm. really appropriate in that kind of more complex Mm. um perception of the world or yeah where there's something deeper that's wrong Mm. (laughs) going on and sometimes I don't know sometimes that needs to be fought against in different ways
1: Mm. so yeah that's awesome what do you think, Jay? I,
0: I, I really love those answers. Um, I'm going to be kind of like Jessica because I, I like read this. I read the question like four times. I did a bunch <laughs> of research online. And I'm like, and I came to this conclusion. <laughs> I
1: like to make my wording as cryptic as possible. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, it's no you, you took the wording <laughs> from
0: stuff. the film, and then my response to that was. And it's such a dude response too. This is why we have to have women on the show. I'm like, I have no idea what "influence men men's hearts with love" even means. <laughs>
3: what does that mean? Um, it means that women believe that they can change men. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, so I, I took this kind of like this journey once I once I started thinking about that, and I I think that the origin stories for women or for females in general are really fascinating, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the biblical narrative where women are created alongside men so that men would have companionship and then be able to love um, and, and probably procreate as well, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the question is, why do men's hearts, and this is where Jamie was going actually, why do men's hearts need to be influenced with love in the first place? What was wrong with men, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. and so, I think that there's an interesting note throughout this film um, that the movie has a lot to say about the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about that is it uses the Greek gods. Is that right? The Greek? Is it Greek or Roman? One of the two. Greek. Yeah, Greek sure. gods. Sure. Yeah. It uses <laughs> the Greek gods and and it uses Zeus mm-hmm a very definitively male god mm. who then created women, right? So, I think that's really fascinating because I know that like our modern bible uses the term uh uses the pronoun he to describe god. However, in my personal definition of god, I don't attribute a gender to god. Mm. So, I think that they I think that that word, the pronoun is assigned to god for specific cultural reasons, but I think if you were to actually ask me, like, do you believe that God is male? I would be like, no, he's neither male nor female. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and so what's interesting about that to me is the patriarchy didn't create females in this movie, the patriarchy, like literally the patriarchy, like Zeus is the king of the gods of the, of Olympus created females. Like, oh, I guess we'll just create females. Right. <laughs> um, and that's just a very bizarre thing to me. So I'm kind of glad that um, I have a way for that not to be the case because I, the Bible literally states that God created male and female in the image of God. It wasn't like we he created males in, in the image of God and then like had to create something else. So he decided to create females, which I think sometimes that's how our culture interprets the Bible. Like it interprets it as patriarchal. And I get that because culture... Our culture in the modern day has made a major swing in the opposite direction. But for a long time, patriarchy has been the model. (laughs) But I don't even think that the Bible is telling us that that's necessarily the model. There's just a lot of nuances there. Um, And then I think, like, the second part of the question is obviously whatever, if they were created to increase. I I love Jessica's answer because in my mind, I'm thinking, like, well, they didn't. They didn't do a very good job because World War One is the war to end all wars <laughs> war end is all raging wars. across the galaxy and or across the galaxy. <laughs> our Star Wars podcast <laughs> um, is is raging across the world and yet uh, they're secluded by themselves on an island doing yeah. nothing, doing
1: training for something. So, what did you think? I really liked what Jamie and Jessica had to say too because I think. Um, I like how I like the angle of they became warriors as an act of love, because I think in this movie and in every other movie that I've seen that has Zeus and the gods and stuff like that in it, like I'm thinking of like clash of the Titans and, you know, various movies like that. There always seems to be this thing where Zeus does not understand Mm. his creation. Mm -hmm. Hmm. You know, he creates it and then it gets away from him. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, Becomes this thing that he has no control over, mm-hmm. which makes him seem much less godlike to me mm-hmm. and just a more powerful version of what he created, yeah. you know? But um, so I kind of like that we see that in Wonder Woman too. Like he created men, they change, he doesn't know what to do. So he creates women to help it, but they actually find their own way to make the world better, which is not what he had in mind. Mm. So I mean that's that's kind of a simplistic way of looking at it, but yeah. I like that it sort of de-emphasizes the gods in a way right. and places more power in the characters that we actually have on screen and are watching. Yeah, so that's cool.
4: Can I ask a a question? Yeah. that one of the reasons why this was a little bit difficult for me to answer. So I don't maybe and maybe we don't necessarily know this, but I my understanding. Um, of that whole kind of montage in the movie where it almost looks like a painting coming to life yeah, which yeah. is really a cool part of the movie by the way but um, I got the sense that they were the Amazons were not just women I mean yes they were female but I got the sense and I couldn't tell by the the imagery in the movie but was it just men that were fighting and the Amazons were really the first women or was it mankind, Mm. meaning men and women, and then Amazons are a separate thing? Because I think that makes it a little bit different. Yeah. Um, And that's one of the reasons why the term mankind is interesting. And I'll, I mean, I'll talk about that more later when, with some of the other questions, because I think that's really fascinating. But I, when I watched it, I was thinking, you know, Zeus created mankind, but it was male and female mankind and they were and, and Ares corrupted men and women. Um, and we do see a female villain in the movie, mm-hmm. too. Right. She's not an Amazon. She's a female human villain. Um, so I don't know. That was that was made it a little bit more challenging for me to answer because it's like, well, Amazons are women, but they're a different they're not human women really they're Mm, like these other so i don't know what you guys think about that
1: do you know the answer to that as i'm i mean we just watched it a couple days ago as i did we i don't know if it's explained
4: it's not i don't think it's really and i was trying to look at the images i feel like they're there it didn't look like there were women in that like sequence where they were
1: like i was gonna say it feels like maybe there were but well yeah i don't know i don't remember do you remember
3: i think i missed that part
1: Oh, because I started it because before you, you came it in the room. I, yeah. got there. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying
4: to pay attention to yeah. that, and and I couldn't really tell. And maybe maybe the filmmakers intended it to be ambiguous, because mm. you could, you know. But um, I do think that's interesting to think about, because whether it's you know Yahweh or Zeus or wh- whoever is creating quote mankind or humanity, it's always men and women that are created.
1: Well, and it would have to be right, otherwise. Everybody in the world at some point would be part Amazon.
4: Right, right. So I think if that's kind the of an interesting... only women interest were Amazons. Yeah, so maybe they are this other, right, this other type of woman. And so then it's a little bit of a different question because then what role did the women, the human women, have to play yeah. in all of this before Amazons came on the scene? They and based there. on the
1: movie, it would seem that Diana was the first one to have a relationship with a man. Right. Right. I I guess we don't know that for sure, but it seems that way. So I don't know. That's probably a rabbit
4: hole that we don't necessarily need to go down. Oh, We love rabbit holes. I just thought that was (laughs) when I was trying to answer this question, I thought about that because I'm like, "Uh, okay, so (laughs) I, I don't know if that changes the role that the Amazons are supposed to play because they're not just there. So when you talk about Jay, like, like the, Procreating part or like the, the women being created to teach men how to love. Well, that supposedly happened in this narrative before the Amazons were created. So then, yeah, what happened? What corrupted that? Did you know male and female hearts get corrupted? Obviously, that's kind of the indication. So yeah, I don't exactly.
0: know. We need, we need like a, we need the air horns like
1: boom, 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 plot hole. <laughs> Come on, Patty Jenkins (laughs) Uh, Okay Uh, Well, this kind of segues pretty good into our next question in a way because this relates to the gods, I think, too Um, But this is actually a question that came to us from Kate Asera who's one of our faithful listeners Hmm. and a good friend of ours Thank you, Kate Um, She asks, how would Diana's story have changed had she been told the truth about who and what she is. So Jamie, what do you think?
3: Mm. Well, it seems like, yeah, I I think I'm going to come back to the idea of her journey or her story. Um, Because I think it's one of the movies that where like her journey is really interesting Yeah. Um, And, but it seems like part of it has to do with self confidence Mm -hmm. and identity. And so I don't think she would have that struggle with self confidence if she knew (laughs) that she was a goddess um, from the beginning. Uh, So I think it would make her a lot less relatable Mm. um, Mm -hmm. to the audience. And,. Not that we have to view it purely through that lens, but um, but I think that would change significantly. I think she might be more reluctant to engage in human relationship or romantic relationship with... A man. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. If she knew she was a goddess, a because plan. who knows what can of worms that's going to open. So, <laughs> yeah. he, I mean, I think it would. Call it, yeah. Hercules. Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> Disney's Hercules, by the way, is yeah. a fantastic movie. Yeah. <laughs> underrated. Totally, yeah. totally um, underrated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he puts the gladden gladiator. <laughs>
1: so. I like Network it. 1901 would be happy to it, hear you say that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they would. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Jay, what do you think? Um,
0: yeah, just, just in that, in that line of thought, like one thing that was very fascinating to me was that she was not told what she had to be, which she was allowed to discover who she was slowly over time. Um, which is really interesting to me because she's no, un, she's under no obligation to predestination. Hmm. Right? Like, cause if you said, if you said like, well, let's start your first grade studies. You're the God killer, right? Like, you're like, whoa. Like, so, you know, it'd be like, lesson one, how to kill Aries. You know, like that, yeah. that's not part of the, the narrative. be a shorter
1: movie.
0: It'd <laughs> be a lot shorter movie. But I think that, that, that gives her the ability to become a whole person and then determine what it means to be a God killer. But the God killer, like you talked about identity, the God killer persona does not define her identity. She, yeah. she realizes that it's a part of her identity later on, but she's allowed to become somebody before that defines her as such. Um, which means also that she doesn't turn into a conceited, privileged princess. She really stays humble throughout the course of the, the time. Um, it also means she isn't raised as a weapon. Right? Like, right. she wasn't raised mm-hmm. as a weapon. So, you see, the, like, the contrast of that would be, like, Zod. Like, that dude was... He was predestined to be a general, and General Zod, you're a weapon. Yeah, Gamora, same yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that we see the Hippolyta Hippolyta, Hippolyta... Hippolyta. 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 Oh, man, I'm way off. Um, Hippolyta. It's not as bad as Denis Villeneuve, what I used to call him. Um... <laughs>
1: It's pretty good. Villanueva, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dennis
0: Villanueva,
1: <laughs> starting
0: in at point guard. Dennis Villanueva.
1: That's all right. I can't say David Olayo. I can't either. You can say it. Oh yellowo. Oh
0: yellowo. Oh uh, Anyway, so yeah, I just think that like like I think what's really interesting is that um, what's her name again? Hippoly- Hippolyta. 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 Hippolyta does a really good job of giving her daughter boundaries.
2: Mm.
0: but she doesn't, like, say, like, this is who you are and this is what you will and won't do. Like, she actually turns out she's actually a pretty good mom. Now, Mm -hmm. there's some contention about when she should start her training and this kind of stuff, but, like, she does a pretty good job of saying, like, no, you're I'm going to let you discover who you are with certain boundaries as opposed to you're the god killer, be trained from age two because if Ares shows up at any minute, like, he could take you out. So, anyways, I just thought that was kind of cool. Like her identity, yeah. Her, it's not def- if, she, if you had told her in the beginning of the film, "You're the God Killer," it'd be
1: a different film. Yeah. Mm. What do you think, Jessica?
4: Um. So I actually disagree with that a little bit, Jay. Mm. Drama. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. Well, not entirely. I, I I totally agree that um that she wasn't raised as a as a weapon or or and her identity. Um, as a God killer, I think, I think it was probably a good call for her mom to not really reveal that. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's always a time and place for kids to learn things. Right. Um, and there, so I think that makes sense, but I think her mom was probably motivated by fear a little bit more than, than what you described or may, I might not be understanding fully what you mean, but I think her in a way, like the whole, you mentioned this, that They're secluded on this island and they're training, but what exactly are they training for? Because um, meanwhile, the war to end all wars is actually going on and and nobody's, they're capable of helping and they're not because they don't even know what's going on. And some of that has to do, I think, with being led by Hippolyta as the queen who's afraid and she's afraid of Ares finding her daughter and she's afraid of her daughter embracing that identity Cause she knows who she is and she knows that the God killer is not the sword. It is her daughter. So I think there's a lot of fear there, um, which makes sense. It's a healthy fear, but I, I think that her reluctance to let Diana discover who she is cause she's even reluctant when Diana's a, a woman and she's not a little girl anymore. Right. She still doesn't mm-hmm. really want her to embrace that. So, um, So I think that's pretty complex, and I would imagine that would be a very difficult place to be as a mother. But when she does finally let her go, um, it's a pretty powerful moment, and it's um, you know her her realizing she can't stop the inevitable of of her daughter's you know um, destiny, so to speak. But I think um, just to get back to the question of how Diana's story would have changed, I think another way. Um, so I really like what Jamie said about identity because I think, um, uh, and confidence because I think most women, um, and men too, but most women struggle with, with self-confidence and, and, um, coming into a place where they feel comfortable with who they are and, and that kind of thing. So I think that is a really important tie in with like the modern woman's experience, um, but I think the, the cool part about her not knowing who she is, uh, for me was that it made her more vulnerable, um, and, uh, and made her more willing to rely on a team. So like that team that comes together and the relationship that she builds with them, I think is really, really cool. And, um, her vulnerability, she's not weak in her, I think a lot of times you know, uh, there's this idea that if you're a woman, you shouldn't be vulnerable because that could be weakness. Um, but Diana portrays a, a strength in her vulnerability in a willingness to be both strong personally, but also to rely on a team of people. Um, and I think that's just kind of a cool, like an important lesson, um, there a little bit of maybe a, not really a morality tale there, but I do think there's a, a component of uh, a hu- uh, humanity there where it's like, I I can't do all of this on my own. I need to rely on other people. And I think if she would have known the true extent of her power, she might not have ever been willing to rely on that team. And that team needed to be heroes as well. Those Those men on the team, they needed that as well, mm-hmm. particularly Steve. He mm-hmm. said, I can save the day, you can save the world, right? And he needed mm-hmm. that. So... Um, I like, I like that vulnerability. It's a strong vulnerability that comes from Diana. And I think that's important for women to be able to see that portrayed the strength that you can be vulnerable and strong at the same time. Mm
0: -hmm. I think that that's right too. I think the way you described, um, her mother's treatment of her is correct. Like Mm -hmm. it, like I I like it because it doesn't define her as something, Mm -hmm. but you're right. There's a point at which Mm -hmm. her mom's like, never go. Right. And right. that's where it's like, well no, I mean like she's a woman now. She's been trained. She mm-hmm. she has a purpose. Her purpose is just and right and true.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You have to release her. Like so there's mm-hmm. there's a, there's an interesting period where it's like, yeah, now now you're letting you're right to be fearful of letting a child into the world. Like you don't let your child run into the street. Mm-hmm. But then when the child's old enough you're like, "Hey, you can go in the street." but look both ways. Right. Right? Like then there's a moment and that she does. You're right. She's she's too fear driven in that. Mm-hmm. And maybe you could argue is too fear driven even from when she's a girl. She's like you can't train at all. Right. But
3: we did but, a little editing. Yeah. When we were watching <laughs> I was about that to part, say the same thing. Yeah. That scene where she's about to get on the boat and leave mm-hmm. and her mom says, "You know, you've been my greatest joy. Now you're my greatest sorrow." And we were like what? Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Maybe <laughs> just Schick change move, it
2: man. to yeah. like <laughs> this
3: moment is my greatest yeah, sorrow. Yeah. Not you are. So I think the question of identity, mm-hmm. even in that, like her mom has been
1: it was harsh. Has mm-hmm. been
3: speaking about her identity <laughs> for so long, and mm-hmm. and it flips. Yeah, like mm-hmm. almost on a dime. You're like, whoa!
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: It's intense. <laughs> can I jump on something you said? Yeah. Um, when you were talking about. Um, diana's ignorance of her power helping her kind of flourish as an individual Mm. um it reminded me of a netflix series i'm really enjoying called the crown yay (laughs) sorry (laughs) okay (laughs) which is it's fantastic um so good but one of the one of the things that comes up in elizabeth's childhood is Mm. when she knows she's being educated to become the queen Mm. and so she's being educated in the law But, like, nothing else. And Mm -hmm. so when she becomes queen, she realizes she's ignorant of so much because she hasn't had, Mm -hmm. like, a robust education. She's been educated for the one thing she's intended to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And she feels at a loss and unable to, like, intelligently converse with the people she's supposed to lead. Mm -hmm. And um, so she starts receiving tutoring as like a grown woman to try mm-hmm. and fill in the gaps. But it, that just came to mind as mm-hmm. like, man, if Diana would have been trained from, from girlhood or, yeah. you know, like from day one, um, to become that, it really makes her kind of a one dimensional person.
0: Yeah. it's
3: mm-hmm.
4: so, mm-hmm. a really good Lesson point.
0: five, Harry Potter. Okay. <laughs> Who's Harry Potter? <laughs>
1: nice. <laughs> what did you think, you gotta, <laughs> man? I all the good stuff has been said. No, I just
3: well, stop letting us go first. <laughs> that's
1: kind of my thing, though. I, I know <laughs> you're gracious. <laughs> um, no, I I think uh, I think it's definitely good that she doesn't know who she is
2: hmm.
1: when things start because I agree. It would definitely, it would totally change the movie.
2: Mm-hmm. It
1: would give her a sense of confidence that would make her less identifiable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think it's important for her journey to need to discover who she is because it gives her the, the kind of empathy and the patience to also discover who other people are. Mm. Like to discover who Steve is and Charlie and the chief and the actor. I can't remember his name. But, Samir. Um, what? Samir. Samir.
4: Isn't that the other yeah. guy? Sammy. Yeah. Sammy. Oh. Sammy, that's oh, right. Sammy.
1: Yeah. I like that guy. Yeah. Um, and I think it also... It's what helps set her apart from Ares
2: Mm.
1: and from Zeus Mm. because she's just as powerful as Ares. Mm -hmm. She could be just like him and maybe she would have been if she understood who she was. Mm. Maybe she would be prideful and controlling and everything. But, you know, like I said before, like I don't think Zeus understands his creation. I think she understands humankind much better because she has to go through her own journey to get there too. Uh, okay, let's transition into talking a bit about relationships here. So let's talk about specifically Diana and Steve Trevor, who I don't know if you guys have ever seen any of the other stuff that's been done on Wonder Woman, like the 70s TV show. Oh, man, it's been yeah. a long and time. And the animated but yeah. movie. Yeah. But this is Somewhat. by far, in my opinion, by far, 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 the best Steve Trevor we've ever had. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because
2: oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: that's a hard Well, he's above average. He's a of <laughs> <rich. That's> True. <laughs> <laughs> he has to have a certain vigor. <laughs> Alrighty. But Chris just, Pine wrote. Chris Pine wrote all those lines. He did. Line. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, well, he had to compete with Pratt and Evans and Hemsworth. I mean, he had to get his that's name right. out there. But, that's right. Um, but I, just, I don't know. I just I think he's a really really good character. He's not just the side character mm-hmm. to Diana. Like I would watch a Steve Trevor movie. I think he's that good. But um, so I want to talk about their influence on each other. So over the course of the movie, let's talk a little bit about how they influence each other, how they change each other, how they impact each other. Um, Jay, why don't you start this one off?
0: Yeah, I think it's a good question. Uh, I do believe there's one key moment where Steve's influence is notable, but I actually don't think that Steve changes Diana. I oh, do I think that Diana... Totally G- disagree.
4: Totally
2: disagree. Okay. Yes. Let's fight.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but let me explain to you where I'm going with that. Okay. Because I don't think... So Di- Diana has an internal motivation where she's going to do what she's going to do because she's so internally motivated to do it. Dude. You see this in characters like you see it in Moana. You see it in like Luke Skywalker. I think I bring that up in another question actually, but... Um, can't have a podcast without talking about Luke Skywalker. No, I know. <laughs> well, he's pretty, Mark Hamill is a close personal friend of ours. So. He is. Um, but I don't think that, I don't think that she changes because of him. Um, he, she sees the world because of him. She's exposed to the world through him as a guide. He, I think one of you guys mentioned, um, her naivety mm-hmm. earlier. Right. And she's super naive. She's only lived on an Island full of Amazons. Like that's all she has a context of. um, so much so that she thinks that she kills Aries, she solves the world's problems, right? Like, that's, like, yeah. that's her simplistic view of the world. Um, and I think that uh, there is this brief moment where she has the opportunity of kind of joining Aries' thought process and joining in with his overarching motive, which is, yeah, men are dirtbags. Hmm. And that's where Steve's influence comes in. Because she goes, yeah, you know what, though? There's some good in them, too. But I don't think that that's necessarily a character change because she started out that way. It was just that the influence at the right point in time to go like, wait a minute. But I've been made aware of the world. And, yeah, it is bad. And, yeah, I have walked into um, a very patriarchal society. I walked into parliament where they basically told me to shut up. Right. Mm -hmm. But Steve, like, like. Yeah, the system appears to be a broken system that's just kind of doing its thing. But Steve's Steve is one of the good ones, and I will still maintain my hope because of Steve. But I don't know that's so much of a change because she kind of started out maintaining that hope that human beings were good and that men were good. And it was just Aries that corrupted them. Now as she gets a little bit more familiar with how the world actually works. I think that... It's not so much that Steve changes her, he just serves as the influence for her not to join Ares and join his viewpoint, but to maintain that same belief system that she started with. Um,
1: I would argue, and I'm not taking my turn right now, but I would argue that (laughs) without Steve, Mm -hmm. at the end of this movie, she goes back to Themyscira. And just goes, just just
0: abandons it all?
1: No, she stops this war and then she goes back to be with her people. I think Steve is the one that teaches her that the way to be hope and the way to be a part of the solution mm-hmm. is to be in it. It's a long game. That could be true. I, I think it's interesting because I think that she
0: she inspires Steve and his crew. Like she's the inspiration for them to like Steve has this Steve has this sort of like um how would I put it? He has Bigger. a dis- exactly he's a very vigorous guy Um, but I think he has he has this kind of they're the bad guys kind of mentality and I think that her whole whole thing is we should all become good people and we should take risks we should take bigger risks we should do this we should we should inspire those around us by being heroes and I think he takes on some of that persona so that's just the way that
1: I see it Mm. Jessica, argue with him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, no, I I see I, I see what you're saying. Um, I I think that they're, you know that I mean maybe it's too much to say that that Steve changes Diana. Well, I don't know. Um, I'll say that for another question because I think that relates to something else that was in the uh, when other questions. But mm. um, I do think that there's definitely an influence on each other, and I think that um, Diana really helps steve believe in things bigger than himself right he's he's very like he doesn't believe in aries he doesn't believe in any of this this mythology that that she had that she subscribes to and she's very much like no this is how it is right and he sees that there's actually way more to the world than what he thought um including her and so i think that's pretty powerful but i do think that he helps her really embrace who she is meant to be and i i like I said, maybe I'll explain more what I mean by that later. But I do think that he helps her, um, in, in especially in his, so spoiler alert, especially in his, his sacrifice, his death, I think he really frees her up to be who she's meant to be. Um, but I, I just, I, I like the relationship between them in general. I think that, like you said, Daryl, the movie got the relationship right, um, Because um, both of them can be male and female in healthy ways. So what I mean by that is Diana can be strong and influential and powerful, but without giving up what makes her a woman. She doesn't have to become a masculine superhero. She can Mm -hmm. be a woman who's powerful and strong. Um, And Steve, on the other hand, he is also masculine and he is also heroic without a need to always be in a dominating position or to always be the leader in every juncture. So there's really kind of a nice um, uh, relationship between the two of them, how they interact with one another, but also how they further the cause together. So I think it's a good picture of... Um, I don't know, I just felt really good. I, I Honestly, I was prepared to, to feel like... Um, A lot of female um, heroes, superheroes in in movies um, or other kinds of narratives are portrayed, they suddenly take on masculine traits in order to be heroic. They become mean or they become um, brutal or they become, um, uh, they lose their vulnerability or they lose their femininity. Even sometimes the way that they start having the female heroes dress and, and and i know there's some criticism of like the costuming and stuff like that but i actually think no like the what they're trying to suggest is there's nothing wrong with being feminine or being female and you can still be powerful and and um and so i i the way that Steve and diana do that together i think works works really well for me i think that that was handled very tastefully without either one of them having to sacrifice who they are in their in their genders and their, um, they can embrace their, their gender roles, so to speak, but not necessarily in demeaning
3: or stereotypical ways, if that makes sense.
1: Mm. What do you think, Jamie?
3: Yeah, really well said. Um, (laughs) no, I think, well, who said, (laughs) wait, did you say that if, um, without Steve, she would go back to Themyscira? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's the catalyst for getting her off the island Mm. in the first place. Um, so really helps her you know, start that journey and start to understand who she is. Um, but the, I feel like the maybe strength of the dynamic between them, um, where they both kind of, Change each other. I was going to say rub against, but I'm like, well, that's a little too literal because we know what happened there. (laughs) Still a little too much rubbing for my taste. (laughs) But, um, But where there's, like, influence on each other is that they both, I think they both have a a specific kind of view of the world, the way the world is. And at the end of the movie, the resolution is, it's not either or, it's both and. Mm. Like, there is an Aries.
1: Yeah, (laughs) right. Steve
3: doesn't think so, but there is one, but
1: it's not only Aries. And so... Yeah, Mm -hmm. killing um, him does not stop the problem.
3: Yeah, Um, yeah. so I think, I mean, that seems like kind of the nature of compromise in a relationship is you realize Mm -hmm. it's not my perspective or yours, but it's both of ours, and how do we navigate Mm. The fact that there are people who also have, like, you know, with whom we're in relationship, who also have legitimate experiences, who mm-hmm. have different perspectives that aren't wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're still true, but we can hold two things that are both true together, even when they seem like they're incompatible and they might not be. Yeah. So mm. I think it just has the effect of like blowing open both of their like perspectives on the world and the way it is.
1: Yeah. Um,
3: mm. Yeah
1: yeah totally. and I think I think other ways that another way that he really influenced her is I think we said before, I think maybe everybody has said at some point that that Diana has a a level of naivete about her, mm-hmm. but she also is enlightened in a lot of ways mm-hmm. beyond men.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so she's got that balance, and I feel like Steve is really her entry point. Into the world at large, in a way that makes her accepting of the things that she experiences, because think about it: without Steve, the the other men that she meets first in the movie are all trying to kill the Amazons,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so they're all they're all villains. And then, um, and then there's what there's Ludendorff, there's Ares, there's all these other just evil dudes out there <laughs> who are trying to kill everybody. And so she gets to enter this world through Steve, who has a more balanced, albeit sort of um, disillusioned perspective Mm -hmm. on everything. But she gets to see his perspective, and then she gets to start meeting the people that he has already influenced, Mm. like the team, like Charlie and Sammy and the chief. And and she starts to see that uh, I think men are... Inspirable, you know, as a creature who was, as an Amazon who was meant to inspire men, as we hear in the beginning of the movie. Hmm. So I don't. I think Steve is essential to 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 uh, her journey, and I mean, you guys have already said really well the ways that she affects Steve. I mean, she opens up his eyes to a whole new world, and I think she helps him overcome his disillusionment because she has this just completely relentless sense of hope mm-hmm. that is not naive. It's not wrong. It's a, it's a real thing mm-hmm. and that's what everybody else needs to take from her. Hmm. Yeah. I think, I think some of it's just
0: coming down to like, for me, the term influence and the term change, mm-hmm. they're probably, you could say they're synonyms Yeah, and I'm saying they're not, I'm, I'm defining it as, I think every time we do this podcast, I think in terms of a writer. And so I think of like the character journey, I'm thinking like, well, I would say that's influence, not change, but that's just because that's the way I've defined them in my own head mm-hmm. yeah. for that context. because mm-hmm. I would agree with everything you guys said. It's just that I'm using a different terminology almost in that regard, but yeah, yeah it's really true.
1: Semantics. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about more about um, men and women in the film. So beyond Diana and Steve. Um, how do you guys feel about the representation of relationships between men and women, the social norms, power dynamics, you talked about patriarchy before, and just kind of the balance between the two genders in the movie. So Jessica, let's start with you on this one.
4: Okay. Um yeah, so I also, you know, kind of to extrapolate from the relationship between um Diana and Steve, I, I think the movie handles all of that pretty well. Um, actually very well, I would say, um, again, I was kind of skeptical. I was a little worried about that because in so many movies, uh, particularly like comic book superhero type movies, that stuff's not handled very well. Like things are over, over sexualized and, and the female characters are, and the men, the the male characters are as well. Um, so what I liked about this movie is I, I felt like there was a good balance, um, it was provocative and and challenging right it, it challenged some of these ideas but it wasn't bashing the audience over the head with all the things that we get wrong as a society about men and women and and gender norms and social norms and stereotypes and power dynamics like those things were there and it was it was challenging us to think through those but it wasn't <laughs> like you should feel guilty white males for this problem or you should feel it wasn't
1: the oscars
4: <laughs> yeah ex- yeah yeah i mean i think i think that that's much more effective in my experience um to really get people to think differently if you're challenging them and you're maybe provoking some some deep thinking without like hitting people with all of their faults and their failures um and so i think the movie did a, a good job of that for both men and women. Cause I didn't feel like I was getting bashed over the head either with like, Oh, you're such a weak woman. If you do this, like, I didn't feel like that was a part of it either. So like some of the things that really stood out or just the, some of the lines, right. So I wrote, I wrote down some of the ones that, that really captured this for me. So, um, Diana says, uh, I I think Steve says something about like no man can do this right or something mm. like that, and she says I'm the man who can, yeah. which is just funny. Like it's just, there's just a lot of intentional usage of man or mankind, and the movie the writer does that very intentionally, and the, and I love that because it just kind of reveals that all these like platitudes that we think of don't really apply to Diana. So that's mm. just an interesting um, an interesting take on it. So like, yeah, I'm the man who can kind of made me chuckle. And then, um, why must we keep our tummies in, um, Diana says <laughs> to to Etta when they're looking at the corsets. And of course, Etta says only a woman who doesn't have a tummy would say that. And I just think that's it's funny, but it's also pretty provocative, right? Because she comes <laughs> from a world where there's no body image expectations for women. Like, yeah. They, you know, the, the Amazons were created to be very strong and powerful. And like, they're, they're, they're actually very similar. Like when you look at all the Amazons, there's not a lot of body differentiation. So the expectations are, are not the same as we have. So I I like that. It's funny, but it's also, you know, kind of getting at a pretty serious uh, topic. And then, um, one of my other favorite parts is when they're in the alley, and they're getting shot at and um steve says stay back like at first he's like the you know being the hero and then like she blocks the bullet with her armband and he says or maybe not and i just love that because it's like breaking the damsel in distress tropes you know like that that whole thing but he not only is it breaking that but he's kind of like man enough to accept the help like he's not like he doesn't like look defeated or like emasculated or anything. He's like, "Great. She can help me. This is awesome." You know, so I I like yeah. all of that. I like the interplay like he it doesn't make him less of a man and it doesn't I don't know. I just for me that all worked very well. Um it was intentional. Like I said it's provocative, but it's not it's not I didn't feel like it was from my perspective it wasn't trying to make anybody feel bad or make anybody you know feel guilty it was it was trying to get you to think about what you what you would normally consider the relationship between men and women and and some of these social norms that mm-hmm. mugging
1: scene in particular is maybe even more empowering than you think because mm-hmm. that scene is a direct homage to the Superman 78 film mm-hmm. because basically the same scene happens in Superman but yes. it's it's Clark Super saving Lois mm.
4: You're so right. I didn't so even think and of that.
1: it's not just circumstantial. Like she's wearing like Diana's wearing glasses. Yeah, and she's dressed like Christopher Reeve. Like right, it right. is a very deliberate. That's cool. Homage. Oh, that's
4: cool. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, there you go. See, I like it more now. Yeah,
1: mm. <laughs> Jamie.
3: For me, the most impactful scene on that front was when um, she walked into the Parliament room, or mm. you know, the general's mm-hmm. like war room. And, com- you know, is completely oblivious to mm-hmm. the fact that there are no other women in there and doesn't see a problem with that. Mm-hmm. And so it's not even that there are, there isn't a seat at the table for a woman. It's that women aren't even allowed into the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she doesn't understand, like, why are women not allowed in places of power? So um, yeah. that's where her naivete is used as a really clever device to say, why is that the case? Yeah. Like, yeah. why... Yeah, why aren't women allowed in the room? Um, And then when, you know, she happens to be the only one who knows Sumerian. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Or Sumerian. Um, And, you know, it's because of her knowledge and capability that, you know, she has kind of an entry point. Um, Mm -hmm. But even then, it's like, why does she know this? like mm-hmm. um there's suspicion of it, I yeah. guess um, so I thought that was a really kind of powerful critique um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and again, I mean it's not especially overt, but it's yeah, it's surprising and provocative, mm-hmm. like you said um, in terms of relationships, yeah, <laughs> going back to my my <laughs> Criticism of all the rubbing going on. <laughs> I I didn't appreciate how um, their relationship turned sexual. Mm. I just thought, does it always have to go there? Mm. Yeah. Like, and I know we had a conversation about this. And Daryl's, what, what do you want to share your response?
1: Well, I mean, I I question it too. I agree, it doesn't necessarily have to go there. The one thing I said was, they're together for a very short amount of time in the movie. So there has to be some sort of profound connection to make him as important to her Mm -hmm. as he is. But I don't think sex had to be the connection. I think they could have found another way to do that.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that, that was one thing that kind of um, took me out of it a little bit and um, seemed a little anachronistic Mm. because I thought the most powerful critiques were the ones that were like Mm. kind of in the system of the time Mm. and questioning like what was happening at that time. And I wondered if a relationship like that would have Mm. happened at that time. Mm. Like that just, Mm. that seems to kind of undercut a bit of Steve Trevor's honor in my Mm. opinion, mm. which was really high and, um, I was really impressed with him until that point. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: that's
3: a
1: very hmm. good point. yeah what do you think jay
0: um i I mean, I agree with everything that's been said, so but from a from a male point of view, the movie could it could be perceived as interesting because the 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 fact is that we have a tendency to vilify people like that's a that's a very human trait is to be like. Instantly, mm. like you're the villain because I don't agree with you. And if mm. we're trying to make a point or make ourselves be heard, we like to vilify the other side so that it makes us feel better. It feels mm-hmm. it makes it seem like there can be winners and losers, and like they must lose. And and then and then we we ramp that up. And I don't think that that's any more apparent in society than it is today, mm-hmm. where we all get get in our Twitter accounts and like just <laughs> like you know go after people or you know, on Facebook or in protests or whatever. And I'm not saying that those things it can't be used effectively but i don't think that wonder woman as a film ever vilifies men Mm. i don't think it does that and i think that um that's odd in today's day and age not to take a social stance and create villains of the other side of the social stance Mm -hmm. yeah that's almost always done but i don't think wonder woman does Mm -hmm. that it points it to all the problems and you guys mentioned some of those and that, mm-hmm. and that I think is it's done artfully mm-hmm. because I don't think when, when she goes into the parliament and she goes, I'm the only woman in the room, it's not, she still doesn't vilify them. She's just like, why do you do it this way?
2: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it makes jokes about it, right? Like why are women only secretaries? Like why is that a thing? Right? Yeah. Like it points out these things that have happened in our society and societies before us, but it the film doesn't hate men mm-hmm. and they i think it's the relationship she has with steve is artful in that way because he's willing like like jessica said he's willing to say yeah maybe this is not really right <laughs> like we should put the best person for the job In the role for the job. Like, why would we do it any differently? Like, we have... The world is literally at war. If we... Would we sacrifice... Would we say, hey, patriarchy at all costs, even if we lose everything? Like, no, that's stupid. That'd be stupid. So I think that it it does a really good job of that. It's it's extremely fair with that. And I think as a white male who has served as a leader, I really appreciate it. Because it'd be so easy for them to be like, Mm bad, bad. Yeah. Always been bad, always will be bad villain, you know what I mean? And that is the easy way out because yeah. the world is far more complex than than heroes and villains. Mm-hmm. Every person it has heroism and and villainous intent, like you yeah. have both things. So I really appreciated that part of it and I thought that the writers um and Patty Jenkins as the director really handled that well because they had the you have the opportunity in stories to hit as hard as you want to hit and they didn't hit as hard as they could have and it and it because of that it came off really really well yeah um it's interesting cuz i didn't see the sexual relationship as a as a big issue mm-hmm. i can see what you're saying like mm-hmm. for the time for the time frame it does seem like a little heavy-handed it's mm-hmm. like oh, that's kind of weird but i didn't see it as a problem because i didn't feel like it was for me. It was this interesting. It was an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic where I don't believe that all relationships between male and females have to become sexualized. That's not a thing. But I do think that, like, like, like you referenced Daryl, like they're in this situation. There's clearly a bond between them. They both are willing to see one another not as the rest of the world might see them, but as they, as individuals, would see them, see each other. Mm. And that none of the other characters in the film see. Each, each of them that way. They all put them in their box. And so I can see those two characters becoming attracted to one another because of the fact that, like, I recognize you as an individual, not as the stereotype of your gender, but actually as an individual. Um, and I think that that's kind of... I think that that is a is a catalyst where you they could find love and could find a, a relationship, especially in those kind of times when the world literally could end. Mm-hmm. But...
1: Whether or not that fits in the time frame, that's a whole other, mm-hmm. that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> so Diana does not, she really has no regard for mm-hmm. any kind of gender struggle. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't show it at all. Like that's just not her context. She doesn't come from that at all.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And she doesn't, she doesn't understand why women would be impressed in any way.
2: Mm-hmm. And she
1: doesn't see men as inferior either. Like it's mm-hmm. just not a thing to her. And I think one of the reasons this movie works so well is because I feel like that perspective might sort of echo what Patty Jenkins wanted the perspective of the movie to Mm. be. Mm. Like, how do you make a movie that represents women so well and tackles the gender issue so well? Well, you do it largely by not tackling it. You just Mm. tell a great story Mm -hmm. with representation from both sides. Yeah. It's the same thing Black Panther did. Yeah, Like Black Panther is not tackling racism. (laughs) They're just telling a great story full of African people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? So I kind of... Now, that's that's a very blankety way of saying it. Obviously, there are things in the movie that do address it. Um, But I think it's not a hugely important part of the narrative, which is why it works so well. Yeah.
0: I think you bring up Black Panther, which is really interesting because I do think that Black Panther handles that incredibly well and by making killmonger the villain and the nature that he's made is a really good representation of how far a viewpoint can be taken to the point where it's a it's actually like a good justice oriented viewpoint that is taken too far um but i will say that there's a couple moments in black panther and having talked to um a lot of my friends about I me mean, obviously i've talked about that movie a bunch but I, like understanding it a little better um, I did think that it threw a couple more punches than Patty Jenkins and Wonder Woman did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know that it shouldn't have done that. I'm not saying that it shouldn't have done that, but it it, it did take a slightly different tact in saying, eh, we're going to throw a couple things in there. Yeah. We're going to call the guy, we're going to call the American guy a colonizer. Does he deserve that? Yeah. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve that, right? But it's a punch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and, I, and it's not, it's, it is a joke, but it actually kind of went over my head. But in conversation with other people, I, I've understood it a little bit better. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, that's actually, like, way better than I thought it was. So as, as long as we have conversations about these films, then it allows us to understand and explore them a little bit more. But, yeah, I think you're right. You're right on. Like, they're just yeah. – she set out to tell a good story and went, mm-hmm. what were the dynamics like? And what, w- mm-hmm. what would happen if you put Wonder Woman in this scenario? Well, this is the way it would play out. Like, it's yeah. not weird, right? Yeah. It's just yeah. normal.
3: Yeah. I mean, Diana is an alien. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's like – it's what would an alien experience if yeah. you put them in all of these situations on earth? Yeah. Like, it's
1: like, why does it have to be different than what would Superman do? Exactly. Just cause it's a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
3: yeah I like, I,
4: I'm glad that you felt like as a male, that it wasn't attacking because as, as a woman, sometimes I feel like I can't get on board with some of these, um, like quote unquote women's causes because I feel like they, just create a deeper divide between men and women. Um, and so I, that's why I appreciated this film so much because I felt like it was something, it was kind of like a, a little bit of like a women's power thing that I could actually get behind because most of those, I don't feel like I can, I don't Mm -hmm. feel like they speak for me as a woman. And so this one, I felt like handled it tastefully Mm -hmm. in such a way that it was like, but men can appreciate this hopefully because they don't feel attacked. Um, but maybe it gets them thinking like, Oh, wow. I never thought of it that way. Mm -hmm. Like I've never thought about, Oh, I can't walk into a parliament. You know, I wouldn't have been able to walk into parliament in the early 20th century, but wow, she can't. That's interesting. Right. Instead of like, you're such a evil man, you couldn't possibly appreciate that feeling. Right. So, um, yeah. So it's good that that works for you because I think, it works for me, and I think that's how we can have better conversations.
0: Can I ask a, ask a quick question based yeah. on this question? Because you talked about it a little bit, I just like the little quick take around the room. Yeah, because I've heard these like varying b- viewpoints on like they got the costuming
1: really well, or the mm. the costuming was too provocative. Mm. Uh, I like, wish Kate was in the room. Uh, Kate, <laughs> yeah, she <laughs> would be she great. has. She has all the costuming stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's, she's a she's costumer. A costumer yeah. Uh, yeah. Did yeah. she
3: weigh in on that with regard to Wonder Woman? She
1: didn't tell me anything, but when I asked her if she had any questions that she wanted to ask, mm. she was like, well, most of mine have to do with costuming, so now <laughs> I wish I wish I would have heard
0: them.
2: <laughs> uh, well,
1: Okay, so Kate needs to write <laughs> in. Yeah, and Kate. We yeah, we'll
0: have some, her we'll read it. Yeah, Tell, we'll read us, it what, tell us what you thought.
2: Yeah.
1: But, well, so what was the take on that from the room? I I mean, the one thing that stands out to me about her costume which you especially see in the no man's land scene mm-hmm. is how tactical it is. Mm-hmm. Like you know, she's got the guards on her legs, um, and when she gets behind that shield, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, some it might seem how weird the stance that she's standing in. But if you think about it, standing the way she is, her whole body is protected, right? Because right. she's behind the shield, and then her legs are guarded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that's specifically about the leg guards. The rest of it, I mean. They obviously had to they had to capture some representation from the comics. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's it's way, way less revealing than the comics have been. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Mm -hmm. So it's way more modest than that. I think it looks like a warrior's outfit. I don't think it looks that different from what Thor wears. Mm -hmm. Right. You know? Right, right. So it was cool for me.
3: Yeah. I didn't think it was too provocative. I mean, it depends on how it's shot, just, too. like, so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, I think that alone is, like, the most provocative thing about her. It's yeah. just that she's really pretty and um, that, I don't know. Like, um, we don't typically associate, I think, women who are pretty mm-hmm. with being warriors Mm. and so i thought that Mm. was like Mm -hmm. maybe the most interesting but Mm -hmm. in terms of costume i did i never felt like oh she's not representing women well or she's too revealing because that is frequently my criticism (laughs) with yeah um but i didn't feel that with this yeah and it's yeah it it felt like you said kind of what a warrior would wear yeah and like slits in the places not to show her leg but so she can run yeah you know right, so right. it's like that? yeah i don't know what did you think
4: yeah th- i think there's a lot going on i th- i yeah. i agree with you i love the idea that like a, a female warrior doesn't have to can be can be feminine yeah. um can be pretty um or not like yeah you know or she can be strong or she like yeah. she can just be a woman right. As far as the costume, I don't know i I can see, yes, yeah, so you you have to pay, play a certain amount of uh, pay a certain amount of homage to the the traditional comic book character yeah. um but I like how how updating that to be a little bit more tasteful I think is is appropriate. Um, I'm glad that that took place um I, I it's hard to it's hard to know how to answer that because like what would a woman fight in like the idea. Yeah. I, I, this is, this is always, I, I think there's maybe a middle ground where it's like, you don't need to be ashamed of the way your body is, is made. Um, but then there's also something to be said for modesty. Right. Um, uh, so for me, I think striking that balance of like, yeah, what would a woman wear when she's in battle? Well, obviously yeah. she wouldn't be covered head to toe in, in chain mail, especially if she is like a superhero, she doesn't need that kind of protection. Right.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, she needs to be able to move. Um, but yeah, she's just like, has a lot of natural physical beauty that's going to come through. So I think there's a lot going on there and I don't know, I don't know if there's a way to do that to please everybody. Yeah. Right. I think in a movie, like how are you going to please everybody? There's always going to be like women who are going to say, why does she have a short skirt or why, you know? Um, so I don't know. I don't know that there would be a... I don't know how they could have done it any differently or yeah. any better. And um
1: I feel like they balanced it as well yeah, as they could. I mean I agree. For yeah. one thing, they live on a tropical island.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean Climate.
1: Steve refers to it as Paradise Island, which right. in the comics is sometimes what it's called. Right. Um so they're not gonna they're not gonna run around in like armor all day and yeah. sweat yeah. themselves to death. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um And then there's also references, like when she's trying on the clothes Mm -hmm. in London, she's like, how do you fight in this? You know, like, so.
4: That's way, those are way more, quote, inappropriate or oppressive, right? So I think that, I think that the storytellers did that intentionally to try and give you a little bit of a sense of like why she would be wearing this, because it's like, we're not trying to put Wonder Woman in this costume to be um sexualized we're trying to explain that this is like we're trying to make her a warrior so i think that that was handled well and i i i I can see people being upset either way like saying you know i i just think there needs to be a balance between yes you can be a woman and you can have a womanly shape and and you can wear clothes that that show that you're a woman without it being overly sexualized there's there's a balance there we don't want to cover women well this is my take i know that there are other cultures who would See it differently, but we don't need to cover women head to toe, but we also don't want to, you know, um, sexualize their bodies in every case as well. So
3: I think they did the best they could with that. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to also kind of harken back to the mythology of it. Yeah, It seems Mm -hmm. true. It feels very, um, very much like they were on a Greek island, you know, like Like, the Roman. And if you
1: look at the imagery of the opening scene, the men are wearing just as little (laughs) as the women are. Those Greeks, dude.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they didn't
1: want to wear Real anything. Real proud of themselves.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nobody talks about how Hulk is only wearing pants. And right. Shirt. And
1: purple pants at purple that pants. most of the time. Yeah. Just yeah, running and around the, in purple underwear. Honestly, the, <laughs> whatever, men,
4: the men in the comic books are, are, are sexualized just as much. I mean, yeah. they've got the muscles and they're showing them off and it and stuff. So
1: do we need to talk about Dr. Manhattan from? Washington? Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. Anything, dude. Yeah, I mean nice. Thor,
4: Thor is an example of Thor. that. I mean, come on. It's like, yeah. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. I think, so I, uh, just a couple just a really couple of quick points. The one thing is when it does come to costuming, I'm like, the first thing is, I actually don't even really care how functional it is because the reality is, like Superman super. shows up in tights. Like, <laughs> like if you, sure. if I said to you today, like, "Hey, Daryl, let's go fight a war. Here's your tights," <laughs> you'd be like, "What? <laughs> I'm not wearing this, dude!" <laughs> like, um, so I think, like, I think, like, like the practicality of the wear. I mean, your points are well made about mm-hmm. her about how she actually uses the suit, yeah. and that's cool. I think that they have the comics have objectified both male Mm -hmm. and female characters for a long time, Mm -hmm. probably starting in the '80s. Yeah, Uh, maybe even as early as the '70s for some of the comics. And Mm -hmm. if
1: you're going to get into that, then you also have to. You can say the comics in general, but the comics are made up of every dude or woman who grabbed a pencil and drew a character. So you really start talking about from artist to artist. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And there are some artists, I'm not going to throw names out because I don't want to burn any bridges or anything, but there are some artists who are way more objectifying than other artists. Totally. And part of it is, part of it, I think
0: we have to see superhero movies and this superhero culture around comics as a means by which to explore what human beings have been exploring since day one, which is... There. What would you What would you create if you were creating, uh, not the perfect male or female, but the
4: idealized kind of archetypal. The archetypal. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like,
0: like, like. So you you'd make this dude that had that was. Certainly on steroids for many years, <laughs> you know, and you and you'd make women that were like incredibly curvaceous but have the smallest waist ever. I mean, like mm-hmm. those are the, those things are kind of. So I think that one thing that's really amazing about Wonder Woman as a film is that and I think you guys have said this, but it allows the genders to be the genders, and it may be maybe there's a little bit of objectification in the fact that Chris Pine is like not wearing anything <laughs> right or maybe there's a little bit of objectification in the fact that the the amazons are not fully clothed you know like mm-hmm. from head to toe but i don't think it ever crosses any lines what i feel like it's doing is it's saying yeah there's differences between these two genders mm-hmm. these two genders are not we wouldn't put a woman in 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 the in the context of superhero stories we're not going to put a woman in um a burka, let's say, mm-hmm. right? Because that's not we're trying to we're trying to explore the relationship between these two genders. So why would we take why would we take male and female characteristics and traits out of the picture? Yeah. We wouldn't do that. Now, to for, to say one thing about Gal Gadot that I think is one of the most amazing things about her is that she carries herself with such a level of respect that objectification. I feel like, is taken off the table. Hmm. It's because she presents herself in in such a regal, respectful way. And I think that Patty Jenkins is part of the reason why Gal Gadot is able to handle herself that way because I would say that it would be very difficult for you to find a character in a comic book movie that is not, like Jessica said, tried to just be made male or they'll try to take their sexuality and be like, oh, they could males and females can act just the same, right? Like mm-hmm. That's a big cultural thing. Like They should be able to act just... It doesn't work that way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It doesn't work that way. So I think that they handled it really well. I think Gal Gadot handled it really well. I think Patty Jenkins handled it really well.
1: Agreed.
3: So. I think the one scene where I felt like Steve Trevor was kind of objectifying her was at the end of the like closed... Trying on scene mm. where she comes out in like oh, the coat yeah. and the hat yeah. and looks a little bit coy. And like, mm. I think that did play into like traditional like stereotypes mm. a little mm. bit mm. and felt a little bit awkward mm. Mm. to me. Mm. Like it almost broke the tone of the rest of the movie uh, where, <laughs> where I agree with you except for that one moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's interesting
1: because I saw that. I almost read it as in like he was frustrated. It felt a little bit like he was frustrated with her because the outfit she chose was like she was trying to look like a man.
3: Oh, interesting. Oh, I didn't see that at all. My head hmm.
1: huh. going way too far out of context. Interesting, <laughs> like interesting, interesting. Sometimes I do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it doesn't even doesn't Etta make a comment? Like it doesn't matter what you put her in. Like she's going to attract attention. She yeah. Say she like says yeah. as if mm.
3: like putting,
0: putting
4: her, her in glasses, glasses is not going to make her yeah. the most beautiful right. woman. Yeah. Right. Right. Or something right. Right. Like right. Right. Yeah.
1: Hey, glasses can hide Superman. So <laughs> that's right. <You> know? <laughs> They're incredibly powerful. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so before we continue, yeah. um, want to really quick, uh, let you know about some of the other additional content we've been releasing lately. Uh, Really want you guys to go check out our conversation with Paul Verhoeven and Dale Wentland from Network 1901 because we had this awesome conversation about Luke Skywalker's character journey. So definitely check out that podcast. Uh, the most popular podcast of all time is our, is our Black Panther podcast. That one's like skyrocketed to the top of the It's the most the popular
1: movie of all time. So why not? <laughs>
0: exactly. So definitely go check those out. And also we would love it if you would become um, a Patreon supporter. So you can go over to www.thestorygeeks.com for, just to be able to support us. We're creators who put out works, and what we hope is that people will want to participate with us in that, whether you're somebody who listens to the podcast or whether you're somebody that watches our YouTube live shows and you make comments. Um, one really cool way to support us is through Patreon, and we actually give you additional access to additional content for doing that. So really appreciate that. And it's good that.
1: content. We keep lamenting the fact that more people are not hearing it.
0: I always am bummed out because yeah. a lot of times what happens is we, on Patreon, we get really uh, relaxed because it's after this. In- I mean, we have intense conversations. Patreon, we, we try to make them fun. But, you know, they can be – but uh, Patreon is like where we're super relaxed and it's just kind of like, hey, what would you think about all that? And it's just <laughs> way more – it's way more relaxed and fun. So definitely go check that out.
1: So let's dive back into the questions here. So – one of the most, we talked about the Story Geek Awards before, one of the most award-winning aspects of this movie was the No Man's Land scene. Everybody loves the No Man's Land mm-hmm. scene. So I just want to talk a little bit about that scene. Why do we love it so much? What is so impactful about it? So Jessica's going to start us off on that one. Me?
4: Me? Um, I hate that scene. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I love that scene and I feel like cliche saying that I almost wish I didn't like it just so I could be different, <laughs> but I loved it. Yeah. Um, I totally, um, teared up over it the first time I saw it, just like every other woman. Um, so why is it an impactful scene? Um, okay. I'll, I'll say why I think it's impactful in general and then why for me personally, it was impactful. Um, so until that point in the in the film, um, everyone keeps telling Diana how the world works and what she can and can't do, and she more or less kind of goes along with it. There there are some things that she does um, that she tries to break break free a little bit, but more or less she's she finally acquiesces and she's kind of doing what she's told. But. Um, but then she, this is her moment where she's like, I'm not, I'm no longer doing what everybody's telling me to do. I'm doing what I know I'm supposed to do. So she's starting to come into her own. She's starting to embrace who she is. She's starting to discover over time, she's been learning more about her powers. She's been experiencing them a little bit more. And I think she's like, she doesn't really know the full extent of her power yet, but she's willing to take that risk of like, I'm just going to go. Cause this is the right thing to do. There's a village on the other side of this. There are people, um, innocent people whose lives are at stake and I can do something about it. Right. So she finally breaks free of that. And of course I love the, the no man, again, the, the man, the word man, right. And, and how that's played out in, um, you know, Steve says no, no man can cross it. Right. Yeah, is that,
1: is that historical? Was it actually called no man's land or did they make I, that name I don't, up for the
4: movie? I don't know, but it would be awesome if it was historical. Look it up. Look it up.
1: Because I always just assumed it was historical, and to be honest, I'm, I could be the most dense person in the world. Well, but not until it, tonight did it occur to me. Oh, no man's land. Yes,
4: no, <laughs> that was the first thing I picked up on the no man's land part. Like the man part of it to me is is like just the the. Well, because I'm a right, I'm a writer too. So the word play on this stuff, I love. Right, and. I'm, in, in trench warfare, I mean, whether it was really called that or not, I mean, it was insane. It is,
0: it, according to Wikipedia, which we all know is accurate, it can be edited by anyone. It's 100% Wikipedia, you can live and
1: yeah. die by it. <laughs> You're
0: right. But uh, it, is, it is accurate. It was, okay. it was the area between two trenches where people were fighting over the land. Okay. So it was no man's. Okay. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's no man's. But it wasn't
1: one specific place. It was any area between any trenches. Any, yeah, okay. yeah, so yeah. That
4: makes sense. Okay, well, then even cooler. I like it even yeah. more. Um, so the whole idea that no man can enter it, right? No man's land. Um, and she and she just right into it because she's not a man almost. I mean, not only. We we know that yeah. that's not only the case. She's obviously also a superhero. It wouldn't just be like some ordinary woman could necessarily do that. But um, but I love this idea and that play on because she isn't a man, she can enter it. Um, and she does it and she does what's right. And I do think there's a risk there because she – she doesn't know the full extent of her power. So I think there's there's a willingness to take that risk to do what she knows is right. And she's by doing that, she gives the rest of the team and the rest of the soldiers the opportunity to do what they're supposed to do. So it's not just her completely saving the day. She's empowering other people to go out. And, and again, it's a team thing, and I love that. I love that she's not just – she's a hero because she also – allows other people to be heroes. And I love that. Um, So for me personally, though, um, this is maybe a little more metaphorical, but just that it highlights that women can do things that men can't and vice versa, right? Mm -hmm. That we need both. We need each other. Like there's differences. Jay, you said this. there's differences between us and that's a good thing. And that's an okay thing. We don't need to try and um, yes, we want, we want equality, but we don't want sameness. Mm. And, and I like that, um, this, this kind of highlights that, that that's more of the metaphor, I think, of what No Man's Land represents. And in the movie, it's, it's a very powerful turning point for, for Diana.
3: Cool.
1: Jamie?
3: Yeah. Um, with you that <laughs> when, uh, when they started talking about No Man's Land, it reminded me of Eowyn's mm-hmm. heroine moment mm-hmm. in Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. where she's like, I am no man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, because I'm not a man, there's mm-hmm. something that mm-hmm. I can contribute here. Um, mm-hmm. When we were watching it um, recently, that the Edmund Burke quote, and I'm going to get it wrong, but it's basically like the only thing that... Um, we need for evil to triumph in the world is yeah, all good meant to is re- do nothing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, that came to mm. mind repeatedly because um, she's so driven to defend the vulnerable, and I think this just shows the lengths to which she will go mm. in that quest, and it's really powerful to see like. I mean, it's just her compassion Mm -hmm. in action, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like lived out. And um, I think that was maybe the most inspiring part for me Mm -hmm. is um, to see that she's willing to take a risk Mm -hmm. for the sake of others, which isn't that what heroism is all about? Being basically self-sacrificing and um,
1: being willing to put others first. That's what it's all about on the story geeks. (laughs) 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 What do you think, and Jay? in life, and in life,
0: <laughs> I, I I teared up at this at, at this moment in the film too, and mostly because I think it is probably the most heroic moment from any female superhero character or female comic book character that I can even think of. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just so it's just like it hits it hits you really hard. It's like oh my gosh. She, she's a hero. She's a hero of heroes. Because there's something else to be said here. This is not, because the, the points that were made were awesome. And one of the things that I would say that, that makes it so impactful, it is not her goal. In other words, she actually has the goal to get to the front lines to kill Ares, mm-hmm. who she believes is Ludendorff or Dr. Poison. like there's some He's taking some form, right? That's her goal. What makes her so heroic in this moment is she goes, my goal is not the most important thing right now. Yeah. And that is crazy. Because if society did more of that, (laughs) right? Like, what do we do? We we go, well, the most important thing is X. And we jump on Facebook or we jump on Twitter and we're (laughs) like, ah, you're an idiot if you don't believe that X is the most important thing. But when's the last time you actually got out and said like, oh, I know that I believe X is the most important thing, but that person... Could use my help right now. Mm-hmm. They're broken down, and their car is broken down on the side of the road, or they need a meal today, or they need your help moving somewhere, or whatever it is. And we're like, oh, yeah, well, no, I'm on a quest. I'm on this other quest. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, if we did more of that for each other, if we did more of what Diana does to say, I will not do what I know to be also correct and right, but I will help people in need right now because I can. Mm. Uh, the world would be a lot better place. Mm. A lot better place than it is. So it's a very impactful scene and it's awesome. Mm.
4: I would say it's not just the most heroic scene for a female superhero, but maybe one of the most heroic scenes of any
1: superhero. Yeah. Mm. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah, for sure. And it, not to tie everything back to Star Wars, but it, it, <laughs> echoes, yes, it echoes Rose's sentiment from mm-hmm. The Last Jedi. Yeah. When she Mm -hmm. says, we don't win this war by fighting what we hate. We win it by saving what we love. Yep. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep.
1: Um, You guys all said why it was impactful way better than I could. So I'll, I'll actually take a different tack here and I'll nitpick it a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) No, No, in a good way, in a good way, in a way that highlights how impactful it is. So I'll, I'll explain what I mean. There's one little line in it that Mm. Steve says that I wish wasn't there. Mm. Um, and I get why it's there, but so, okay. So she, she gets up out of the trench Mm -hmm. and just starts running towards this barrage of thousands of men with machine guns who are ready to mow her down. Mm -hmm. And that's insane in some ways, if you think about it Mm -hmm. and her doing that logistically does not make it safe for all the other guys to -hmm. climb out of the trench and charge through. They're just as vulnerable as they would have been if she wasn't there. Mm. Mm. So it's not about her protecting everybody and making it safe for them to Mm. charge these guys. It's about her inspiring such a high degree of hope Mm. that they're all willing to get up and risk it. Mm. So I wish they would have leaned into that, but instead there's one tiny little line that Steve says where he says, she's drawing all their fire. Let's go! (laughs) And I'm like, why did you say that? Like, just... Lean into the hopefulness of it, mm. you know. Don't try and explain the logistics of it. Oh, that's, oh, yeah, that's fair. That's, that's a good an point. Interesting.
4: I didn't think of it that way.
1: So, dang I it! Th-
4: just kidding. Yeah, I don't think
1: <laughs> I noticed it until we watched it again a couple days ago. But
4: like maybe you should have just said, "Let's go." Yeah. Instead of she's drawing all the fire.
1: Around. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then just from a technical perspective too, I know we're not necessarily talking about that, but if you watch the special features, there's an interview with Chris Pine. Jamie Mm. knew I was going to have to talk about
2: this, (laughs) where um,
1: uh, he mentions that scene, shooting that scene, and how they're getting ready to shoot the scene, and they start to pipe in blue smoke Mm -hmm. onto the set. Mm. And he's like, this is weird. And so he went and asked Patty, he's like, why is the smoke blue? And she's like, well, it'll read differently on film, but it'll make things seem brighter, more hopeful. More colorful. And you don't see it as blue mm-hmm. when you watch it. It's not like it's blue smoke. Right. But there is, it looks different than everything else. There is a, there's a tint to it that's hmm. just different and more hopeful and more magical. And hmm. just that one tiny little subtle thing. I'm like, I want Patty Jenkins to direct all my movies. I'm like, that's just, <laughs> that's awesome. That is cool. That is super cool. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about villains. How do you guys feel about the villains in this movie? Do you think they are strong? Not so strong? How do you feel about how they affect Diana's journey? So, Jamie, you want to jump in on this one?
3: Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well...
1: And when I say villains, I'm specifically thinking of Ares, Dr. Poison, and Ludendorff. Yeah. Obviously, it doesn't have to be only those three, but...
3: Yeah, I thought, it. well, I think um, Dr. Poison was the most interesting Mm. of the three. And I think that because she's a woman and she kind of is a foil Mm. for Diana. So she's a woman who's in this patriarchal system Mm -hmm. and she has to hitch her cart to Ludendorff, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? In order to be kind of successful mm. in her villainy, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, and he, I think he uses her and mm. she yeah. doesn't fight back against that. Mm. In fact, she kind of props him up and gives him the roids or whatever (laughs) (laughs) inhaling.
1: The mythical roids. To give him,
3: you know, strength. Um, But I I think it's her um, acquiescence to it all that makes her a weaker character. Hmm. Mm. But I think that's kind of the point. Yeah. Right? Um, Because she's in the system, she can't standalone as uh, there, there cannot be a standalone female villain in that world. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think that's why she's fascinating. Mm. And, um, if she weren't there, I, I think there would be something missing if she were not there. Um, it wouldn't, there wouldn't be the effective, um, foil. because I don't think, is it Eddie Candy? Who's the, yeah. the secretary? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think she's enough of a foil. Yeah, um, to Diana. I mean, she, she kind of brings up some of the kind of provocative, interesting stuff, but, um, but she's not her, like opposite match in some yeah. ways, or mm. showing what it would be like if Diana had grown up in, yeah, the world of men. Or, yeah. You know? hmm. um, yeah, I don't want. I so I'll just leave it at that, and you guys can talk <laughs> more about the other villains. <laughs> All right. That's
1: awesome
4: Jay? I did not even think of her that way that's really cool
0: yeah I just I think that Ludendorff and dr. poison are great and I think the Aries sucks <laughs> <laughs> I mean because we we've seen like the third act of this film is by far its weakest act in my opinion hmm. it's also the common problem amongst the DCEU is to have a really terrible third act in the midst <laughs> of a lot of pretty good second acts that if the the movie would have carried forward in that way, we wouldn't be like, what's wrong with Batman v Superman? What's wrong with Man of Steel? The third acts. Like, go track it down. It's always the third act. And, (laughs) And I think that this is one of the problems with this film. Like, how much more powerful would it have been had we known what Ares' goal was from the beginning? Instead, we get these other two characters' goals, and then at the very end, it's like, their two goals aren't that big of a deal. It's actually Ares that's yeah. the problem, and he believes that he's truth, and he believes that mankind needs to die. And It's like, yeah. why wow, you just threw a lot of information at me in a really quick amount of um, time so that you could have this giant god battle. <laughs> well, there's a lot more interesting things to happen if we had, like, Dr. Poison and Ludendorff more involved in that final encounter in some way, shape, or form. Hmm. So for me, I think that that's the biggest problem is that, like... I, mean, I do think it's kind of interesting to have a character say like, Yeah, everyone calls me the god of war, but I'm the god of truth. Hmm. Right? I mean, like we always say question everything and yeah. in your favorite geek stories and always seek the truth. And it's like, oh, so every time truth shows up, that's like ears perk up, like, what is he talking about? Yeah. And I but I think that like it's just too little, too late, and now it's all of a sudden like, ah, uh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. So for me that's I just think that he, he's not but Doctor Poison is fascinating villain. Hmm. fascinating villain and there's these little things that they play with right talk about costuming diana's beautiful dr poison actually probably is a beautiful actress but her face is Is something's wrong with it yeah Yeah. Mm. but why we don't we don't know why but like now you go maybe that's one of the things that drives her
3: Hmm.
0: what happened to her that's driving her to be to be the foil and she can be. So that's fascinating. So why drop that and be like, here's Aries? You know, just...
1: Anyways, that's my hmm. complaint. Hmm. What do you think, Jessica?
2: Are
4: you sure you don't want to go?
1: I'm sure. All right. <laughs>
4: I feel like you're not getting... Haven't
1: a- you caught on to my strategy yet? I just feel I don't like- know what I'm going to say. i thought <laughs> You guys all say everything, and then I just make I just it feel up feel like you don't yet. get a
4: chance to really say anything. It's okay.
1: Yeah? I'm all the right. host. I'm the host.
4: All right. Well, um... Gosh, you know, I, I didn't think of some of those things that you guys said. I think um, I, I was thinking of them maybe not as individually um, as you guys did when it comes to, you know, the three different kind of main villains. I was just thinking about the villains as a whole in the film and kind of what they represent. Mm-hmm. So I they didn't, you know, like Aries didn't bother me as much because I wasn't thinking of him, just just him, I guess. Um so the second part of your question was, do they contribute to Diana's journey in a meaningful way? And so I was kind of like lumping that together so in that sense, I think yes the the villains are effective in in furthering Diana's journey mm-hmm. um, because I think what they represent um, is is that question that the film really wrestles with is um, the brokenness of, of us as individuals, and then the brokenness of humanity and how much of us are good versus evil. And, and kind of does, you know, does everybody have a component of that in themselves? So I think that the, the villains are are part of that journey for Diana in, in, um, are, are people good or are they bad, right? Are they worth saving? Or are they not worth saving? Um, so like, for example, um, Diana is so convinced that that Aries is the source of everything bad. Um, and she even says, like, the only way that people could kill innocent children in a war like this is if Aries is behind it, right? Mm. Like, she doesn't believe that humans could possibly do that because she still is just this very um, hopeful, optimistic person. But what I love about that... Um, that idea is that I, I feel like that should really, uh, or I think how the film is, is using that point is um, it, it should really make us stop and think like, for me, it did like, what, what about I'm not saying this very well. So that idea should really make us stop and think about the depravity of hum- humanity, particularly if you're a person who does not believe in spiritual beings, so if you're a Steve Trevor um, and you don't really believe in like spiritual beings like the devil and demons and stuff like that and angels and all that, um, I think that you have a real problem here. I think the the film is trying to confront that, right? Because Diana's thinking, well, the only explanation for killing innocent children is is Aries. I couldn't possibly be humans. So I think as a human being, if you don't believe that there is uh, an evil influence like the devil or wh- however you would describe that then how do you explain mm. it is the then it is just human depravity it's just completely you know people killing innocent children that's just all on us right as humans so um so i think that's an interesting thing to think about like theologically and spiritually like how much of it based on your world view is completely human depravity versus how much of it is an influence by some other spiritual forces. Um, and where does that leave us? You know, what, how, where does that leave you as an individual in, in how do you confront your own depravity? Or do you believe it is entirely the fault of some demonic force? Mm-hmm. And it's not your fault at all. So I think that's an interesting question that the villains raise, particularly Ares, because he's, he is the god of war, right? And she and Diana's very convinced for the majority of the movie that he's behind all of this horrible stuff. Um so um for me, like for me in my worldview, I think of Ares really is like the devil. And I think that 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 captures that's captured well in the film because he even he even basically explains this that he merely influences men. He can't make them do something. Like he's They show him like whispering in, in Dr. Poison's ear and stuff like that, but he's not actually making people do anything. So that actually aligns pretty well with, with the biblical worldview of like the devil being a defeated enemy that like, yes, um, we still, we, we basically give into it where his, you know, where we do his, his bidding, so to speak by, by choice because we're weak or, or whatever. Um, so he you know that Ares is is believing that humanity only deserves destruction because of its moral moral failures that's that's diana's great battle right is well is that true or not do i protect people or because he's the source of corruption or do i protect people or even if he's not the source of corruption do i still protect people like what does that look like so i do think overall the villains um Help us wrestle with that, and help Diana wrestle with that. And without, I think they're effective in 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 that sense. And for me, it really made me stop and think about kind of that, that bigger spiritual question.
1: Wow, you guys have all changed my mind. <laughs> what were you going to say? What were you going to say? I think I thought the villains were really weak, but you've all really <laughs> convinced me that that's not completely true. I think it's still true in some ways. And maybe it's not to say that the villains are weak, but that they are uh, misused. Mm. Yeah. Um, Because I think you mentioned, Jay, that it would have been better if we were let in on Ares's, on who Ares was Mm -hmm. a little bit earlier, so we could kind of follow his journey a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Not quite such a hard left turn when that Mm -hmm. comes up. Um, I also don't, I don't think we needed the whole mythical steroid thing, for Ludendorff. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Really, the only reason that's there is so that we can have a fight scene between him and Diana. Right. Because yeah, yeah. otherwise, Diana would have just destroyed him <laughs> in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. right. Um, they probably could have figured out a better way to do that. Mm-hmm. And I wish that there was more interaction between Diana and Dr. Poison. hmm Yes. I think that's a missed opportunity. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Go ahead.
3: Sorry, as you're talking. So, I know I had said, gosh, it seems like Dr. Poison is like a foil to Diana. But now I feel like all three of the villains are. In yeah. different ways. Mm. Like, Aries is a foil in terms of influence. Mm-hmm. If, if Amazons are meant to influence men's hearts toward love mm. and good, and Aries influences them toward evil, Dr. Poison is a foil of her, like, femininity mm. and what that looks like kind of in the context of humanity. And then Ludendorff, maybe strength. Strength, yeah. Foil. Or even ambition. Mm. Because, I mean, her ambition is... Um, to protect and her instinct is to protect and his is to destroy mm. you know mm. so it seems like so they're the unholy trinity they are the unholy
2: trinity <laughs> <laughs> just like
1: that that fast food place <laughs> in that has taco bell pizza hut and kfc evil what? unholy trinity yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah.
0: All, it's Not all fried in the like same that.
4: oil man <laughs> yeah <laughs> Interesting, that's really... Hmm. I, I derailed yeah. everything. Yeah, It's okay.
1: Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. It's what I do. It's what I do. I'll, I'll fix it by moving on to the next question. <laughs> um, so one of my favorite things in this movie, one of the one of the things that makes me love this and puts it so high on my list is um, at the end, when Diana's about to defeat Ares for good, um, and he tells her... Um, they don't deserve your love. They don't deserve you. Which is a theme we hear a lot in this movie. Hippolyta says that. Um, And she says, it's not about deserve, it's about what you believe. And I believe in love. And then later on in the movie, right before it ends, she says, only love can truly save the world. So when I see that, that feels like a new kind of superhero Mm -hmm. to me. So I'm curious how that feels to you guys. And how you feel about Diana's outlook on the world as a hero. So, Jay, why don't you start on that one?
0: I love the question. I love the portrayal of Diana in this regard. And I would contrast it directly with the other trinity, (laughs) Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Uh And it is a far superior worldview than either Batman or Superman has. Now... I know that these have changed over the years for Batman, Superman, but let's just take them at their at their root of why why they were introduced. Truth, justice, and the American way. Right? Mm. Superman's truth, Superman's idea of justice, and then the American way over all other ways that exist on <laughs> Earth. <laughs> Batman, Order versus Chaos. Yeah. Well, you can easily see very quickly how those can become super perverted. Mm. The American way has become super perverted in multiple ways over generations.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. America allows. To be allowed, fair, the whole American way thing is gone now. has not been identified with Superman for quite a long no, time. No,
0: no, no. Yeah, to be fair. But, yeah. but even setting out with that kind of goal it, where you have a super being that says, I'm taking sides.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So Batman is taking the side of order, like, we must have order. That's the side that Kylo Ren takes. How did that turn out for everybody? <laughs> Not well, <laughs> right? Um, but and and then you can look at all the characters who have taken on you know the American way of truth and justice, and how that's been hurtful. We we allowed slavery in this country. We have a system that allows greed to take people over. Diana. Her viewpoint is literally like the epitome of the best viewpoint you could have. So she's not going to allow for some of these things to happen because she's going to go, no, 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 love should actually win this battle. Um, So not only is it amazing to see the perspective introduced into the comics or introduced into the the films, but it's also the most superior of the views that have been expressed by any of the characters thus far. Yeah. So I'm a big fan.
2: Jessica.
1: Jessica.
4: Uh, I I agree. It seems somewhat new. Um, and I think it works well because we also have ha- because having this kind of female as the primary superhero in a film is also somewhat new in this, at least in this in this sense. So I think that works well. Um, but it's interesting because Steve actually said a lot of those things first um he those the it's not about deserve it's about what you believe like that actually came from steve first so i think that goes back to the question of how they influenced each other Mm -hmm. um but i think what sealed the deal for her because she wrestled with that when he was saying that that was really hard for her she was wrestling with well is you know is humanity worth saving she has steve saying it is she has aries saying it's not she she has her own heart that believes that it is and, and but she's seen these horrible things and um, but Steve is what seals the deal for her. Um, him loving her is what made that all real. Mm. The 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 love is the love between them um, is I think what convinces her that love is what can truly save the world. Because um, if she's as she's wrestling with that, especially his sacrifice. Right, so he sacrifices himself um, to save hmm. other people, and that's su- that's what's so powerful for. Her. I mean, obviously, it's heartbreaking, but it's also p- like that is what unleashes her like virtual invincibility. Like as soon yeah. as his plane explodes, she's unstoppable. She's like flying through, like literally flying through, like punching people. It's like really crazy. And uh, and Which if
1: she can do all that, this sorry, this is totally a, that, off topic. But if she can do all that stuff, why didn't she do it in Justice League?
0: <laughs> that's
1: a great point. Sorry, you know, not important.
4: These are the thing These are the questions that you guys have to answer in a later podcast No, um, yeah, I just think that that's really interesting. So that the love between the two of them, and then also his love for for a greater cause. You know, saving. He can. He's the one who can save the day. He says, and he does by sacrificing himself. And I think that's what convinces her that it's not really about. What people deserve, right? Um, they may not deserve saving, right? That, like, in like in fact, if um, Doctor Poison Maru Diana doesn't kill her, even mm-hmm. the, like she has the tank lifted above and she could crush this woman very easily, and she probably deserves to die for her crimes, right? But she doesn't. Diana doesn't do that, and she actually says to Aries at that time, um, "You're wrong about them." They're everything you say, but so much more. And I think that's that Steve's sacrifice is kind of what convinces her of that. That there's he is the reason she believes that there's so, there's so much more. Mm. Um, so she believes in love. Um, she knows each. She's see, she's starting to understand that each person has good and evil inside, and they have to make that choice. But love is what will help people make the right choice, mm-hmm. right? So love is what helps Steve make the right choice. I mean, the last thing he says before he dies is, I love you, and then he goes and he saves the day, right? So love is what helps make people the right choice. So I actually think that Diana, because she believes in love to this extent, um, and she believes that love will truly save the world, like for me, she is a very Christ-like figure. Um, She's actually, so Aries claims to be the God of truth, but I think she is, because if you equate truth and love... And I think Diana is much more the goddess, the, the goddess of truth, right? And she even has the lasso of truth. So I think there's kind of a, um, but like, she's the, she's the, the, the compassionate, the brave, the loving, the truth. Um, so to me, she's, she's kind of this Christ, Christ-like figure. Um, even though Steve is the one who made the sacrifice, I don't know how all that play comes into play, but yeah, for me, um, uh, I, I, it is one of the best parts of the movie, like how all of that comes together. At first, I think you you might think of it as cheesy a little bit, like wow, that's like, but it's it's just not. Like if if you heard some of that in another movie, you might be like, that's just really, that's just really over the top cheesy. But I think because it's embodied in in Steve and in Diana and how they interact and how they. Are helping other people, and then the choices that Diana makes about Doctor Poison, and the choices that Steve makes about saving the whole area from the from the bomb. I mean, it's not cheesy because you see it. It's like yeah. they're they're showing it. I'm um, showing not telling, right? We always say that in writing, yeah. like you got to show not tell, and I think they do that.
1: Jamie,
3: the only reason I thought it was. Sl- cheesy yes yeah. it's, it's, it's rich in the works in the works um, cheesy was it reminded me of Frozen oh <laughs> oh
1: interesting <laughs> okay so the
3: conclusion <laughs> of Frozen like Queen Elsa realizes okay only love can thaw a frozen heart mm. right uh, yeah. and so the idea that love is a more powerful force than fear mm. than evil mm-hmm. you know yeah, yeah. Um, it you know, it does seem like a little bit of a trite conclusion, but mm. to to hear mm-hmm. it uttered by a superhero mm. does seem novel.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm, right.
3: Where, you know, it's all about power and might and mm. those being the most compelling forces. Right. And saying it's actually something that has nothing to do with, mm. like, physical strength.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It's something that has to do with um, a really different kind of, of strength. Mm. Um, was, I think like, surprising and um, compelling. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, it did remind me of this in a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> so when you, say
0: that, when you say, like, it's that it's, like, it's a little bit cheesy, but do you think it's do you think it's right or do you think it's actually, like, in other words, it can come off as cheesy and kind of trite and kind of like, oh, yeah, what a night? Na- or do you think, yeah, she's right, it just came off as cheesy or, like, no, she's, like, too naive still?
3: No, well, I mean, it's the tension that I'm feeling as I'm thinking back to that scene is that she's saying that, you know, love is more powerful as she's laying the smack down on Aries, right? <laughs> I mean, sheer physical might, brute strength, mm. and the fact that like Steve's, I think, like he said, love-compelled sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. his love of her and his growing compassion for people in general right. mm-hmm. that compels him to get on the plane. Um, but the fact that that unleashes, to me, what looks like anger mm-hmm. in her mm-hmm. feels like man, like maybe that's what it what holds it back from being just completely cheese ball mm. is that like, you can feel that it's not, it's not so naive. Like it, it feels like she's brimming with, I don't know, maybe righteous indignation mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. right. at like what she's just observed. Um, mm. because it feels unjust for right. him to sacrifice mm-hmm. himself like, it, you know, and mm-hmm. she feels the loss of that. And so yeah, like, in a moment of of what seems like anger, she's talking about love. And, mm. like, maybe she's also just more fully experiencing what it means to have both mm. good and evil mm. kind of wrestling inside of you. Mm-hmm. And, like, sh- maybe that's just a statement where she is choosing to let love overcome her own anger mm. right because she so, gets she does yeah. the whole like ain't, you're right she does like this
4: angry tirade but she doesn't throw the tank on top yeah, of Dr. Boy, poison right totally. so yeah. Yeah. there is yeah maybe it's an exploration of like the what do you do with that anger yeah because it's okay to obviously when there's injustice uh, or when some when there is that kind of sacrifice um, you would be angry and hurt and upset but what do you do with that Yeah, right like yeah it is still in the end about love that people are everything that you say and so much more They're they are evil, but more. Um, so uh, yeah, it's an, it's a, it's, it, it it is, I see, I struggle with that too. Like it's like, ah, it could be cheesy. Right. But for me, they made it pretty real. Um, and I think like it's because it's new, because it's novel, we haven't seen it from a superhero. it, it, It does work. I did not think of Frozen though,
3: so that is interesting. <laughs> Queen Elsa was also compelled by an act of sacrifice that took place right in front of her. Right. See. Uh,
1: we need Disney. a video. We need Jamie to do a video on the comparison between the two. Yeah. yeah. So, so where was Diana's talking snowman? Yes, <laughs> Steve Trevor but, yeah. <laughs> Who's the
4: comic relief? Etta?
1: Yeah, um, pretty much But she's only there for a little bit yeah. Do you, do you I, think Oh, sorry, go ahead Well, I, um, not to say that you're wrong, Jamie Not to, not to, to argue with you But I think there's a, there's a moment of triumph in there Which hmm. sort of helps explain her, her violent tirade mm. Because during that whole battle Ares is trying to turn her
2: Mm-hmm. Right. He's
1: trying to convince her that he's right, mm-hmm. that the world doesn't deserve her. She's above them. She shouldn't be wasting her time protecting these these minuscule little creatures, right. you mm-hmm. know. And, so, and then that moment when she picks up the tank and she could drop it on Dr. Poison, that's the tilting point. Right. It's like if she does that, she's his.
2: Mm-hmm. If
1: she doesn't do it, then she's proving that she's strong enough to beat him. And so that's when she does turn and beat him. Mm-hmm. I think. I think there's also, and it's a also a, another Superman reference. I'll have to, I have to say that <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to, but I have to.
0: When she picks up the tank
1: and holds it over Eddie Candy, it's it's an homage to the cover of Action Comics number one. Oh yeah. When Superman is picking up a car to save somebody, uh. so it's almost like she uses one to kill somebody, but then she doesn't do it. But just the visual of it. Mm. Sorry.
4: No, I like it. Nerd.
1: I also think there's something to be said for, <laughs> and I, I don't know, like, I think
0: there are lots of ways to be angry and be hateful.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: But I don't know that for me, the presence of anger does not mean the absence of love.
2: Hmm.
0: So you can, you can. In fact, I would say that in some cases you need anger to truly be loving, because yeah. there's, there, there's some people that teach like, okay, like you know, you just like you just zen out, right? <laughs> right. And I'd be like, but there's, there's actually some stuff in this world that is just pure evil, yeah. and if you just zen out, you're not actually then loving. You're you're actually retreating from it.
2: Right.
0: So I've, I feel like there's there's a case to be made where, and I do think like like if you take if you take the if you take your example of Frozen. It's like, yeah. See, they they would never allow for that, right? It'd be mm-hmm. like that. That's that sort of anger isn't allowed there mm-hmm. because that would be perceived as be, be perceived as not loving. Um, but in my definition, I go no. Actually, there's room for anger. The behaviors around that are what then becomes critical mm. because you can't then say, well, I'm angry, so then I, therefore I should get to do anything. But anyways,
1: yeah she just had to let it go <laughs>
0: stop you're just waiting for
1: that. i can <laughs> see no, on his face oh yeah. he's like i have got something in my back pocket <laughs> frozen reference yeah <laughs> all right well i just have one more question for us to dive in here so we've talked a lot about the wonder woman film that we've seen so let's talk about a little bit about the wonder woman film that we are going to see Because we know that Wonder Woman Part 2, or whatever they call it, (laughs) starts (laughs) filming soon. Um, So I'm just curious what your guys' hopes are for a sequel to this movie. So, Jessica, what do you think?
4: Oh, don't start with me. I didn't write anything down for this because I don't know. Um, That's okay. Yeah, I think think the only thing I would say... um, uh, Do we know who's directing it?
1: Patty Jenkins. She is, okay, yeah. so
4: that was one thing. I, I and not
1: I, only is she doing it, but she's getting paid just as much as they would have paid Zack Snyder to do it. Good. Like she good. negotiated. That's a historic would. pay raise. Good. Yeah.
4: Good yeah. for her. Um, so I would go
1: ahead and take
0: a pay cut. Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: that would you know that's definitely a hope. Is I, I think the same team or relative. Relatively the same team. I, I would like to see because I I loved the first one. So, I think um, I'm, sequels always make me nervous because um, you know it's hard. It's hard to compete with expectations and, and keep up with it. So, it makes me a little bit nervous. Um, I I think. Um, I think the only thing the only thing I can really say is I I would let. I'm curious. Um, to see how diana's character development happens um because I think there was a lot of development in this movie mm-hmm. um, and origin stories tend to have that yeah. and and that's why people love origin stories and 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 then a lot of times that's kind of lost because it slows way down because they don't they don't change that much and they're given something else to wrestle with and and sometimes there's even like kind of a you know, two steps back kind of feeling because maybe there's a conflict and and your your hero actually kind of retreats or has like a has like a misstep. So I'm a little bit concerned that that could happen. Um, so my hope would be that that there's some sort of compelling development, some sort of um, I don't you know I don't know what the storyline they're intending to do or or the villains or, or you know kind of what problem they're going to give Wonder Woman uh, to solve. But my hope is that they're they can keep that momentum because um I think that'd be really hard to do.
1: Mm. The only thing we know for sure is that Kristen Wig has been cast as Cheetah. Yes. Which okay. Is sort of, I did hear that. Sort of Wonder Woman's Joker. Yes. Sort of her crazy yes. arch nemesis okay. type character. Who's like a feral cat. Type. Okay. I mean she's a cheetah. So that could be <laughs> that could be
4: interesting. Um but yeah, I worry, you know, I, I, if it's not someone who's a, a complete foil or a complete opposite, but it's somebody who, who you almost kind of like admire or maybe has a different... Then some of the, the things that we love about Wonder Woman and her femininity, femininity and her, her womanhood, um, if you have another female character, even if it's, the prote- if it's the antagonist, I don't know. I wonder if some of that could, mm-hmm. could get start getting messy yeah so hopefully hopefully that's that's handled well I mean it can't be the same movie I get that and we don't want it to be the same movie but um there was just a lot that happened in this and and it and it broke a lot of barriers and it set a lot of milestones and it you know all these things so um, i'm i my expectations are somewhat low because I think it'll have a hard
3: time competing with that mm. what do you think? Do you have a sense for what time period it'll be set in?
1: I think that's been said. I'm going to look it up.
3: Okay. Because that's one major question I have. Mm. Um, Because I think something... There is a jump.
1: There is a Mm, time jump.
3: Right. Something I appreciated about the Captain America trilogy is that, you know, the first one is a period piece as well. Mm. Mm. And then in the second and third ones, he's in the modern hmm. day and he ha- he's this, you know, man mm-hmm. um, from the past kind mm-hmm. of wrestling with what it looks like to to live in the modern world with these, like, older sensibilities. Um, I feel like she wrestled with some of that in the first one mm-hmm. because she was coming from <laughs> an even more removed, yeah, <laughs> true. you know, kind of time and place um, and dealing with that. Coming into um, the World War One era, but um, so I I just am curious to know how that translates into kind of the modern world because I don't feel like the Justice League movie at all really <laughs> no, <laughs> talked but... about that and um, just how she like manages to stay hopeful even decade mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. decade of like. Seeing mm. people just like abuse each other and kill each other, and I mean it just um, the world doesn't seem to be getting progressively better mm. over time, and so I just wonder like like that has to do something to her yeah character, and she can't. I I don't see how she could stay like mm. unrelentingly hopeful. Mm as she continues to live in the world.
1: Hmm. Um, this is just a quick look, and it could be wrong, but it, people seem to think it's going to be set in the 80s.
3: Interesting. Yeah.
4: yeah. That cool. makes sense with, like, the cheetah, like... Yeah. Kind of cat, like, I'm thinking mm. of Thundercats. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah, exactly that kinda, the aesthetic, yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, I think... or well, I'll just go because I have a thought. Yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Jessica said I should stop going last. Yeah, so yeah, do it. Do it. <laughs> I'll go, I won't go last once. But um, I think Justice League could give us a little bit of a glimpse into what we might see in a Wonder Woman sequel. Because mm-hmm. in the end of the film, in the end of Wonder Woman, she is basically accepting her place in the world, that she's going to inspire love and be the superhero to the world. But when we get to Batman versus Superman and Justice League, she's gone. Mm. It's clear that she hasn't been doing that for a long time, uh, yeah. and Bruce even says it in the Justice League. He's mm. like, well, "What happened? Mm-hmm. Where did you go like and um so I'm hoping that we will see mm. what happened in the second film,
2: because
1: mm. you're right they, they they will often break a character down and introduce mm-hmm. some sort of misstep or something, mm-hmm. and it would be a dark place to end, yeah. Which would be a very stark contrast to the first film, but
4: but then it, if, it's if it's a trilogy,
2: opportunity. yeah, if we feel good <laughs> that there's a
1: third film coming, then yeah. then um, I would want to see that. I'm excited about. I I'm still apprehensive about the Kristen Wiig. Oh casting really? Just because who knows? That's so weird. But I
4: think it's really interesting.
1: It could be really interesting. Yeah. I mean, we all thought that that Chris Nolan was crazy for casting Heath Ledger as the Joker, and look how that turned out. Yeah. But um,
0: That's a good point.
1: It could be great. But I like that they're giving her a central female villain mm-hmm. because I still feel like Dr. Poison, though you guys made me believe she's better than I thought she was, <laughs> I still feel like she was a bit of a missed opportunity in that mm. she just didn't interact with Wonder Woman very much. Mm-hmm. Mm. So Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I hope that... I hope that her ideals get challenged in the mm-hmm. second film and that she comes out on top. Mm. Hmm. I guess that's the simplest way of saying it. What do you think, Jay?
0: I'm pretty much in, in alignment with that. I think her. it'd be nice to see her ideals get challenged and she like retreats back like you talked about. That'd be mm-hmm. cool. I actually think that, that this could have made for a far better Justice League film because I think it would have been fascinating if there was a scenario in which Batman and Superman are actually on the same side with how they want to address a situation. And she goes, that's not the way we should address it because that's not what should be yeah. governing. Like, So let's just say that there's an alien race that comes to Earth. And uh, this is the scenario I worked out very quickly. <laughs> um, an alien race comes to Earth, and the first response from Batman and Superman is essentially fight back, get them out of here, that type of situation. Yeah. And then, and then Wonder Woman's like, no, slow down. Like, why are they here? What's going on? They're scared. They're frightened. We need to figure this out first. Kind of like mm-hmm. the moment in time where she doesn't drop the tank on the person who really does deserve death, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if we're being fair, because she's killed so many people. Yeah. And just testing stuff on them. But, and then through that process, we actually learn that her viewpoint is superior because they're actually just trying to escape Darkseid.
1: Mm. from what he's
0: been taking over. Yeah. And if they had destroyed those people, they wouldn't have had some key inf- piece of information that would allow them to actually defeat Darkseid in the yeah. end. So I think that would have been a far more fascinating Justice League film, and I think it would be a cool like Wonder Woman film where she, her viewpoint is superior to theirs, therefore that's how they are able to kind of win. Do Why you don't want... you write
4: that? Write yeah. that. Script and pitch it. Send
0: it to Patty. Yeah, yeah,
4: see what happens. I know
0: we cast Kirsten Wig, but what if... <laughs> hear me out. Yeah, hear me <laughs> out for a second. She
3: came from yeah. a planet of cheetahs.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're all on Earth.
1: Do you want other heroes in a Wonder Woman sequel? Yeah.
0: Uh, you know what, I even as I say that, my danger zone is always like too many. You know how I feel. Yeah, I you like don't the, like
1: crossovers. Yeah, you I
0: like them. the individual mm-hmm. movies, not the ensemble movies as much. Um, but I think what makes this film so interesting is her viewpoint
2: mm-hmm. and her
0: discovery of herself. You can't have her discovery of herself anymore. Right. Nor can you, if you throw in any more like man-woman jokes, it's now going to start to feel mm-hmm. old and it's going to yeah. start to feel tired. Yeah. So you can't go down those routes. The only route that you have left to go down is playing with her worldview and how does her yeah. worldview shape her for the next thing. Mm-hmm. And can someone do something to her that that really hurts her worldview?
1: There is so, another route you can go, which excites me. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that they could do it in a second film. It feels more like a third film kind uh, of thing. okay. But Wonder Woman does have a legacy character. Really? Mm. Yes. So we could get some legacy in there. There's uh, Donna Troy, who oh, yeah. is one of the original Teen Titans. Ah. She's Wonder Girl. And then when she grows up, yeah, <laughs> when she grows up, she's not Wonder Girl anymore. She just goes by Donna Troy. But yeah. but she is... I, uh, I don't know. I guess it depends on which retcon of the DC universe (laughs) you're looking at and stuff as what her exact origin is. If she's fully Amazon or half Amazon, half human or what. I don't remember totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is a legacy character. So I'd be interested to see this version of Wonder Woman informing a legacy of some way. That'd be cool. I think that'd be sweet. I like it. Well, that's all the questions I have. Is there anything else that you guys want to throw in that's just... You're angry that you didn't get to say yet. Any other big points? Usually this is just where there's an awkward silence. Yeah. Which is no, podcast goal. No, no other points.
3: No, no, no. Okay, there's one thing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so something that I thought was um, a great line that I think could easily just be passed over. Hmm was when um, I love these they're sitting I
1: love the throwaway lines that aren't throwaway lines (laughs) yeah
3: well they're sitting around the fire and Mm. Diana's talking to the chief yeah right Mm. and he makes the comment about how his people were displaced and she's like by whom and he's like his people and points to Steve yeah Yeah. (laughs) and just that little bit of like as honorable as he is yep he is not blameless, Yeah. Mm-hmm. right? And I really liked that because I feel like we've kind of talked about yeah mm-hmm. the blend of good and evil and everyone and and Steve Trevor is like, he seems very, like he seems like the exemplar, you know, mm-hmm. like he is mm-hmm. um, the good guy in a lot of senses. But it's like, man, even he has blood on his hands, yeah. mm-hmm. you That's
0: know. So. Can we at least give like? a thumbs up also to casting an American yes. to play an American. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not saying it's fine. I don't have any problem with Henry Cavill as Superman. He does a great do. job.
1: But it's nice to see an Chris American. Chris Evans as Captain America. I mean, come on. You could, yeah, that's good.
4: That would be so frustrating if Captain America wasn't American. Sorry. <laughs> I know. Just, I, and I, and I love the UK. Like I watch all of the British shows but I can't handle that.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
4: So the last thing I'll say is that I hope that Wonder Woman and Batman do not end up together.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's,
3: yeah. That's true. That.
1: Yeah. I
4: know that there's yeah. like some hinting at that, and I just don't want that. So yeah.
1: that's they've fine. done a little of that in the comics, and it's never that fun to read. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. it's not great.
4: Not interested in I'm that. I'm
1: a lot richer than Steve Trevor.
4: Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. no, see I have
1: above average wealth <laughs> Check out my vigor
2: <laughs> Oh my god I
3: don't know, maybe she'll listen Bat to vigor. her mom's advice <laughs> yeah. And realize you're, <laughs> He doesn't deserve you Yeah,
1: yes. yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> That's a good note to end on That is, that is Moving on Well, that will be it for today's show Really great discussion Thank you guys for joining us
2: yeah. this has been really fun
1: and once again listeners we want to remind you don't forget to subscribe yeah and leave us a comment or send us an
0: email at thestorygeeks at gmail.com that's thestorygeeks at gmail.com also we love iTunes reviews we read iTunes reviews on the show all the time we're not going to read one today but we do so all the time so please give us an iTunes review we'll read it on the show
1: Yep, and if you enjoyed today's show or anything else that we've done in the past, please share it with a geek friend. So links to everything we've talked about today are in the show notes. And don't forget to check out the exclusive content on Patreon. Uh, Just head over to thestorygeeks.com. And as always, question everything in your favorite
0: geek stories and always seek the truth.